Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, financial ratio analysis. We will have a quiz uh, today uh, after I've gone through some of this. Now, this lecture will spill over into Monday, so I've put off the due date for the Chapter 4 assignments until Wednesday of next week. Uh, now, as far as that fiasco that was Chapter 3 is concerned, just one last time, some of the Excel sheets, uh, some of the Excel, they give a diff they do it different for every one who goes in there, but they were getting the answers that they said were right were wrong. That specifically, uh, the change in accounts receivable and the change in inventory, the numbers at least in some of your uh, some of you got, they were exactly backwards. The receivables went up, and the the quote unquote correct answer was that they went down. Same for inventory. So that means that everything that you did below that would have been wrong too. And uh, there's no way I can fix that. That's done by a gen uh, generating engine. So I just I give everyone a 10 on it. Forget about it. Well, I can't do that, so I had the rep do it. He gave you 40 for the main homework problem, homework thing. And that was just, by the time, I couldn't figure out why people were saying, sending me email. I haven't even done it yet, and I got a 40. By the time I figured it out, it was too late. The, a lot of people had seen the 40 and all that. So there's that. You got 40. Uh, you got the uh, 40 out of 40 on the homework, and you've got a 10 out of 10 on the Excel. I mean, that's really a good job. Very impressive. I'm impressed by that. Uh, now, the only thing that really was weird, I, I sent out that email, and I got easily 40 or 50 people sent me, I want you to confirm that we get 40 points for the homework and 10 points for the Excel. Now, okay, I, you want me to confirm what I already told you. And, uh, no, I didn't answer those emails. Yes, you got 40 out of 40 for the Chapter 3 homework assignment and 10 out of 10 for the Excel. You don't have to do it. You can, again, just for the practice, but I warn you, that Excel, it could be wrong, that Excel sheet, uh, halfway down or something like that. And like I said, I can't fix it because that's a, an engine that does that. But anyway, that's that. On we go to uh, other exciting things. Now, before we go on, let's look at the numbers here just for a few minutes just to see how grim the markets are. It was not a horrible day. We got uh, the inflation numbers for the most recent uh, reporting period were higher than we want. So that, of course, that should trigger the markets to think, oh, the Fed's going to raise interest rates again, and that will hurt the economy. Yes, it will, but there is a general sentiment that the economy is getting enough strength that another round of interest rate increases, even if it happens, probably isn't going to do that much damage. That's why 
you didn't get a major hurricane down day because of those inflation numbers. The markets are figuring, yeah, the Fed will probably raise interest rates another time, but no, it's not going to hurt because the economy is building so much underlying strength now that it can sustain it. And if it kills inflation, that's great. So that's why you see that although the market certainly wasn't in a great mood, the down, it's not down anything horrible. The Dow was down a 0.20, and the S&P 500 bounced around, but it finished up a tiny fraction. And the NASDAQ finished up a little bit too. So it wasn't anything major uh, that came out of this. Now, interestingly, crude is up there near its resistance line. It doesn't want to get over it. Probably 88, 89 a barrel is about as bad as it could get. But the real problem, the worry right now, is that there is a growing, but still kind of back in the back uh, background, uh, expectation that we could have a wider war in Eastern Europe. Just the events on the ground, rumors that are moving around in somewhat reputable circles are talking about, yeah, this could get bad. If it gets bad, remember, Russia pushes oil out uh, and Ukraine pushes oil out. And that could mean that the supplies of oil are going to be cut somewhat in the possibly near future. Hence, the expectation is there, so the price is reacting to the expectation. And uh, it's like I said, it's still nothing that you should worry too much about, but there are signs that this is going to be, this might get a lot uglier than where it is right now. That, of course, is your problem because you'll be drafted uh, and I won't. Uh, so please send me pictures uh, from the uh, uh, battlefields and. Uh, and I will honor you if you get killed and all that. But we don't worry about it. It's not really that, that much possibility right now. Crude, so crude's up a little bit. Gold, it's, the gold bugs aren't, aren't excited, so gold is sinking a little bit. Silver was down, so we're in good shape. Now, here's an interesting thing. Bond, price, bond yields were down. Not a, a, a little bit, one and a half basis points. That means that those yields are down, prices are up. That would be investors moving money into bonds. And that's just a little bit of move to safety away from equities. The equities, the players are kind of maybe shedding a little bit in equities and putting a little bit more into bonds, which are the safe harbor. But it's nothing even there. The market was actually pretty darn quiet today. Now, here's something interesting. Euro and the pounds, uh, British pound were both depreciated. Now, that would mean that the dollar appreciated. The dollar interest rates are the price of money. So if there's an expectation that U.S. interest rates are going to go up, that means the dollar becomes stronger. It appreciates. That's why you saw these major currencies depreciate against the dollar today. It's because there's a possibility that we'll have somewhat higher interest rates in the near future, and so the dollar is strengthening on that expectation. Nothing big there. And of course, the yen, that's backward. 
<coughs> so the yen was depreciating against the dollar too, even though it looks like it was appreciating. The quote there is an indirect quote. It's opposite of what you would expect. Now, oddly, over something odd, I don't know that I see this all that often, but the Nikkei had sort of a wave go through it. It was up, then down, then up, and then down. Now, then, once Tokyo had finished up for the day, over in London, they did kind of the same thing. It was up, then down, and then up and down. It was like that wave of shifting bull bear strength kind of moved there too. If you look over here, there was kind of a version of that in the S&P 500. Up, then down, then up, and then down. So there's this uncertainty. It's nothing big, but there's kind of the bulls and the bears are just taking turns in the smack fest, and they're not really interested in doing anything worse than that. Now, let me take you on to ratio analysis. First things first, in your files, uh, in, uh, in your files folder in Canvas, you'll find a document called Financial Analysis Formulas. That is just a breakdown, the ratios that you, sh you should know. In finance, I do not care about you memorizing the formulas. You can bring that sheet to the midterm with you without writing extra stuff all over it. You can have that one because I'm interested more in can you interpret the numbers. That's what we do in finance. We leave the calculation to the accountants. We do the interpretation. And that's what I'm going to do with you today. It looks like this. It's just a sheet. Print it out and bring it with you to the midterm and use it for your reference for doing the ratios, calculations in your homework in Excel. Oh, just uh, Now what I'm going to do, I have already brought up Kellogg for you from 10K of Kellogg. I'm going to look at it here in Yeehaw Finance just briefly, just as a quick reference. As you can see, Kellogg is a very safe company. Beta is only 0.42. It's a little undervalued right now with a P.E. ratio of 23.57. P.E. ratio is one of our ratios that we'll talk about in this section. Earnings per share, they make profit, they're doing good. They give a lot of their money back to the shareholders. They made $2.50 per share, and they gave $2.40 of it back to their shareholders. We're going to see that happen in the ratios too. In other words, the, the, for every $2.50 this company made that belonged to the shareholders, they're giving back $2.40 of it. They're keeping only 10 cents of it for the purposes of reinvestment in the company. That's not that unusual for a very, very large, very old company. They don't have a lot of things they can do with the shareholders' money for reinvestment, for plowback. So they say, here, shareholders, it's yours. You figure out something you can do to make money off it. So that's, uh, that's something that's not that unusual. And again, we'll see that in the financial ratios. One of the ratios is the dividend ratio, and the other one is the plowback ratio. We'll see it there 
kind of dramatically uh, and all that. But anyway, now, without further ado, though, what I will do, and I'm going to put this sheet, financial sheet, up this week, uh, in, probably tomorrow at some point. Walk with me through it. Just if you want to, you can pull up an Excel and just run the, run the numbers yourself. But this is all about calculating what the numbers in the accounting financial statements, what they're telling us, what they are whispering underneath the raw numbers. And in that way, we can compare this company's ratios to another company's and see relative strengths, relative weaknesses through that comparative process. Now the ratios are broken down, and you'll see this in the sheet that I, you can download. The ratios are broken down into five categories, liquidity, profitability, debt, asset activity, and market ratios. And they're, they're like I said, they're not hard to calculate. It's just an Excel sheet or a calculator that does this. Now liquidity. Before I go any further, I want to make sure that there, I make this distinction, and I don't think I've made it yet in these classes. I talk about it more extensively in some of the upper-level finance classes. There's a difference between liquidity and solvency. Solvency is the ability of a company to keep going. It's long-term money and capital. Is it enough to keep that company moving forward from one period to ten periods out? Liquidity is a shorter-term measure. Can the company cover its liabilities that are due within a year. How well can it cover them? And so that's, that's where liquidity and solvency are different. Now as far as liquidity goes, there are two that are classics and they're talked about in the book. There's one that was a long time ago very important and it's kind of lost, it lost its luster. You don't see it in mo most uh, financial, finance textbooks these days but it's coming back. Analysts, I'm seeing more analysts beginning to refer to this. So the current ratio, that's one of the classics. And all you do is you take your current assets equals consolidated balance sheet, go up here to current assets, total current assets, and you divide it by the company's current liabilities. And all this number measures is how many times over the current assets could pay the current liabilities. Now, in the case of Kellogg, that number is actually on the low side. You see more, many companies try to be closer to one, or maybe a little above one. It all has to do with what's called cash management policy. Of course, I'm teaching this semester. Some companies actually keep their liquidity on the lean side. They, they don't keep a lot of liquid assets. 
because they could do something else with them. They could put them into long-term uh, investments that makes the company keep growing. So the current ratio here is 0.65932. Again, that simply means that this, uh, one way you could think of this is the company using its current assets, if it had to liquidate all of its current assets today, it could cover about 66% of its current liabilities. Let me say that again. And by the way, you can write this if you want to, this explanation on this ratio sheet when you, uh, for uh, a midterm or a final. But again, let me say that again. It, in, uh, in one way of saying it is that if the company's current liabilities all came due right now, its current assets could cover about 66% of them. Now, like I said, that's a little on the lean side, but that's Kroger's policy. You want to look at a couple of years of these ratios to see if this is what they, if this is a glitch or something. But anyway, now the next ratio is called the quick ratio. In our world, we usually call it, we, we might call it acid test. And I think the book even mentions that that's an alternate name for it, is acid. What it is saying is that if you look at the current assets, the one that would, is not really liquid at all is inventories. I mean, if you had to liquidate your inventories in a day or even in a week, you'd get practically nothing for them. You'd have to sell them to one of these factoring companies that would give you pennies on the dollar. So what the acid test does is it says, all right, let's start on the top. We're going to take the current assets, in parentheses, total current assets, but we're going to subtract out the inventory because it is really not liquid at all. Close the parentheses and then divide by the current liabilities. You notice that Kellogg is quite a bit less liquid. I mean, this is saying that inventories are taking up half of the current assets. If you don't count those, the liquidity of Kellogg is rather disturbingly low. I shouldn't say that, it's, it's pretty low. Now, the burn ratio. The other term that you're, I'm seeing popular right now, now that it's coming back, they're calling it the cash ratio. And all you do is say, look, if the zombies are right outside, beating on the door, we want current liabilities. The only thing you could throw at them realistically is your cash. So the cash ratio is nothing but your cash divided by your current liabilities. And if you look at that one, <laughs> oh, they cover less than 5% of their current liabilities with just the cash on hand. So they are really not that liquid at all. 
I mean, usually the cash ratio, the burn ratio is below one. But I mean, this is just really below one. They better hope their, all their current liabilities never come due on the, at the same time because they'd be able to cover only 4.7% of them. So that's your liquidity ratios. And I'm giving you the, how you interpret them as I go along. Now we go to the famous profitability ratios. Now Kellogg, this one uses gross margin. Kellogg doesn't have, didn't report its gross margin. A lot of companies don't these days. Gross income, I should say. So I actually had to put that into the financial statement right there at row six. I had to insert the row and then take sales minus cost of goods sold to get it. It used to be required, if I'm not mistaken, it was mandatory. Now a lot of companies just slide right by it and don't bring up that subtotal. Well, we need to if we're going to do this. Gross margin. What you do is you take equals your gross income divided by your net sales. Let me interpret that. Cost of goods sold is basically your wholesale cost. So what this gross margin of 0 0.30 says is that for every dollar that of stuff that was sold by Kellogg, only 30%, 30 cents of that survived the wholesale cost of it. So when they sell something for a dollar, they paid 70 cents for that. That's what that point three oh, that's the best way to think about it. It's a, that's surprisingly small, but it's not that unusual, especially in competitive markets where you can't just jack up your retail prices. You're going to have a fairly thin gross margin. Or sometimes you'll hear us use the term gross. Now operating margin, we do the same thing except that we use operating income, which they call operating profit, divided by net sales. Let me explain it. This number comes out to be 0 0.10676. This is saying that every dollar that the Kroger brought in in sales after they've paid their wholesale costs, their salaries, general administrative expenses, and all that kind of stuff, only less than 11 cents has survived. In other words, after all of their costs that are operating of some kind, only 11, less than 11 cents is still there. Now, that, uh, there's a, there's a larger point here, but I'll get to that in a minute. Now, net margin. After you've paid all of your bills, how much of that dollar of sales made it to the shareholders? Because everything above net income belonged to a liability, and that they have the priority. So in this case, if I take net income 
divided by sales, net sales, the shareholders got a little more than six cents. Now that actually isn't that unusual, especially for large products oriented companies, that the, the residual claim, what the shareholders can have, either as dividends or reinvestment in the company, it was only about six cents. Now, this kind of gives, I see on Twitter and places like that, especially Twitter, you see these people, these companies, all these big giant companies are ripping off consumers and they're just jacking up their prices. Bullshit. Look at it. These companies are spending a huge amount of every dollar they take in just to survive and have a little bit left for the owners. And remember, the owners are the, why, you, why your company is in business. is because of the shareholders. And yet, here we see one of the largest companies in the world, and this is all that is left for them after all the bills have been paid. After all the bills have been paid, this is what's left. And so it kind of gives you a, a different, look, we're going to be, you folks are going to be the leaders. It's almost impossible to explain this to someone who's not in the business world, either on the ground or as an academic, that no, this myth that there's this demon out there, the corporate demon, you're looking at it right here, Kellogg, one of the biggest companies in the world, a multinational company, and this is how they survive. They pay a lot of bills to have a little bit left over for the shareholders, who are the owners. Now, let me go on here. ROA. In this, in this ratio, we are imagining the company, all of its parts, its factories, its, its machinery, its training sessions, its uh, offices, and all of that. We're imagining that as a portfolio of investments, asset investments. How much did the company make on that portfolio as a percentage? So we say equals, and in this one we take the net income divided by the total of those assets, total assets. And the company pulled off a 5.2% return on those assets. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. But you remember, remember that beta? The beta was very low. This is a very safe company with a massive industrial base, food-oriented for the most part. It's not going to have a big return on the portfolio because the portfolio is a very, very uh, reasonably, I should say, reasonably safe portfolio. So the return on that portfolio is going to be low. Now the next one 
instead of total assets in the denominator, we're going to take only part of them, the shareholder's equity. Remember, total assets is owner's equity plus liabilities. We're going to take and look at how much they returned on the owner's investment. So in this case, we'll take net income and we'll divide it by the stockholder's equity. If I am fine, there it is. Now this number will be larger. Oh, will you stop it? Get off me. Can't do anything right. Criticize me all the time, Excel does. We're going to take the net income, try that one more time, divided by the total shareholder's equity. Okay, that's decent. 22%. Now, remember this. Total, the total, the return on equity will be higher than the return on assets because the denominator of ROA will be bigger than the denominator of ROE because the equity is not as big as the total assets. So in other words, you're dividing in ROE by a smaller number. So by mathematical definition, you will have a larger value on ROE than you will on ROA. Remember that. It's an it, it's a easy question on a quiz or an exam. Which is larger, ROA or ROE, or something like that? Uh, now, dividend ratio. We're going to look at the dividend as a percent of net income. You get your net income, then you pay your dividend out of it. So if I do that now, Technically, I should be looking at the statement of retained earnings, but I was too lazy. So I'm going to get the dividend, how much they, their dividend was from the statement of cash flows. There it is. Ca see the cash dividend right there? The problem is that that's a negative number. So if I really want to do this correctly, I'll take the absolute value of it. divided by the net income. Now watch should say I did this in error. Yes, I see. It doesn't like me going back and f correcting something. So I'll take the absolute value of the dividend, which was cash dividend right here. divided by the net income. Now you're going to see, remember I showed you that their dividend was $2.40 on earnings of $2.50 per share? You're going to see that here again. Try that again. Absolute value divided by, I didn't do the divide by net income. Net income right there. There you go. 83% of what they make for the shareholders, they give back to them. 83%. That's, that was that 
they give back $2.40 of $2.50. Now the plowback is just one minus what they gave to the shareholders. That's how much they plow back, which would be 17%. I mean, yeah, they're putting money back in on behalf of the shareholders, but it's not a lot of every dollar, okay? So of every, think about it this way, of every dollar that belongs to the shareholders, net income, they give them back 83 cents, they give back 83 cents to their shareholders and they put back into the company the other 17 cents for the shareholders benefit. That's the way you can, you can think about it a couple of different ways. Now, grinding it down here. Now, I'll do the rest of this on Monday. I will post this, however, in your uh, files folder. Uh, it will just say financial ratios Kellogg. And you can look at it, play with it if you want to this weekend, and I'll finish it up on Monday, and then we'll move on to other happy things. Right now, you need to do a quiz. Once you're finished with it, that's all I have for you today. I thank you.